0: If you have your Bibles, just please open up to Daniel 10 at this time. Um, I, was, I was preparing a lot this week. Um, I had a nervous breakdown the, uh, the other night. But regardless, God's made strong in our weakness. So I'm, I'm banking everything on that right now. And so if you have your Bibles, flip open up to Daniel 10. Uh, if you don't, look it up on your phone or just follow along the screen uh, with me um, at this time. Uh, It's going to be a long one, verses 1 to 19. And so verse 1, here we go. Uh, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like barrel And then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and sent me trembling on my hands and knees, and he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, and humbled yourself before your God. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute, and behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O oh my Lord, by reason of the vision pains that have come upon me, I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O oh man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Um, This is the word of God. Um, Thanks be to God. Um, Before I begin, I do have a confession I got to make. And the confession I got to make is I actually started listening to Christmas music last week. Um, And I know it's like this one of these things where you're not allowed to to listen to Christmas music until at least Thanksgiving was ended. But I came across this amazing Christmas album, by this band that I'm not going to name, but it's a beautiful uh, it's a beautiful Christmas album, and I loved it. And I've been listening, and I've been bumping to it ever since. And you know, I don't know if it's what COVID, you know, the heck of a year that we've had for the past eight nine months, but because of COVID, especially during a time when Thanksgiving is coming around, when Christmas is coming around, there's something in me where I miss my family a little extra uh, this time around. And for those of us New Jerseyans, we all know that the executive order was passed the uh, this past week about how, you know, please, if you're doing Thanksgiving with your family or wherever you're doing it from, please do it with your immediate family. And I don't know how your family uh, celebrates this holiday, but my fa- most of my family live down in Georgia, so pray for them. Um, and a lot of my family, we either go to Georgia one year and we do it over here the next. And so we'll take turns doing that. And, and right now, we were actually probably supposed to go to Georgia and, but obviously, because of everything that's going on, we're not gonna be able to travel back and forth. And as, you know, right now, I miss my family a little extra just because of everything that's been going on. My family loves turkey, even though I don't think it tastes that great. But we do turkey, we do the whole cranberry, we do the mashed potatoes, we do the whole nine yards. Um, And I miss that about doing that with my family. I miss the the corny jokes my grandfather would make. I I, I miss my grandfather coming up to me and saying, hey, are are you a doctoral student yet? And I'm like, you know, grandfather, I'm still in grad school right now. I miss the $20 my grandmother would slip into my hands and say, don't tell your grandfather. And especially right now, I miss my family a little bit extra, and I'm sure some of you do too regardless of how you celebrate uh, this holiday and now I want you to take my experience I want you to take your experience and I want you to multiply that with a little bit of persecution I want you to take that and multiply that by a, a destroyed and ruined city I want you to take that and think of the house of worship being desolated, and then I want you to multiply that with a displaced people group, and what you have there is the people of Israel at the time that Daniel 10 is written. That's what we have. You know, and my main points, guys, that I really wanna emphasize today as we look through Daniel 10 is I want us to see, number one, the reality of mourning. So if you're taking notes, number one is the reality of mourning. The second thing I want us to see is the reason to hope in the midst of our mourning and the third thing that I want us to see that while we mourn as we realize the reality of it as we see that in the midst of our mourning there's still a reason to hope I want that to lead us to a renewal of conviction that we find in Jesus Christ. And that's where I want us to see because that's what's happening in Daniel 10. Daniel 10 is meant for people right now where we have a lot of things going on in our lives. And there's a lot of mourning that we're asking God, are you in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my suffering? I want Daniel 10 to be God speaking to you and saying, I'm right here and I'm strong. No matter what you feel like you lost this year if you see me, can I be your gain? And that's, that's my hope for us today as we look through Daniel 10. And so let's look at the first one, uh, the reality of mourning. I mentioned, guys, that right now what's happening on is Daniel, as he's, as he's writing this account... The people group is, he's talking to a displaced people group that although some might be at home, they don't feel like home. And although some are not at home, they really, really desire to be home. And the reason we get that is because, look at verses 1 to 4 with me. Um, in verses 1 to 4, we, um, Daniel gives us two very specific dates that we might just pass, but it's really important. And the two dates, the first one he gives us, verse 1, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, you know, that's around 536 and 537. BC, and that might look like numbers to us, but when Daniel writes that, what's really important is that in 539 BC, a couple years before that, what happened was the king of Babylon released um, the first group of of exiles of the Jewish people back home to Jerusalem for the first time in 70 years. So you got to put your shoes there and just be like, you're going home for the first time in 70 years. And that's a huge deal for you. So he sent them back home. Not everybody, but some of them. And obviously, Daniel wanted to be there, but he couldn't be there. Because at this point, he's 90 years old. And there's no way a 90-year-old man is going to be walking 100 100 miles back home. So he stayed in Babylon. But the first group of exiles are released. You know? But imagine what you are, the people. You're back to Jerusalem. You're back to the place where you called home. And guess what you see? All the things that you once saw, you probably think of, oh, I used, to, I used to remember that I used to play there. Oh, that's where I used to get my groceries all the time. But once they went back, guess what they see? They don't see any of that. In fact, what they see is a city that, well, that's not what it used to be. It's destroyed, it's, it's, it's gone, it's, it's, in rub, it's in rubble and ruin. It doesn't exist anymore. And then imagine they come to the house of God and what do they see? They don't see the temple of God standing anymore, but what they see is a temple of God that is broken and demolished. So that's, that's the first date. The second date that we also see is found in verse four, okay? And on, in verse four it says, on the 24th day of the first month, now again that looks like dates to us but the reason that's important is because pretty much that's Passover okay the 24th day of the first month in the Jewish calendars is the first month of the year and this time frame is the Jew is a uh, Passover and Daniel says he's mourning during Passover because if you read verse 2 Daniel says that in those days I was mourning for 3 weeks and he's fasting and he's praying. And Passover took place from the 14th of the first month to the 21st. And so when Daniel was mourning for three weeks, that means he started his fast the 7th of the three weeks, and then the 14th, and then the 21st, and now in this passage, it's the 24th day of the first month. So he was fasting during Passover. So that makes it a little more clear. Why is Daniel mourning? The reason he's mourning is because he wants to be with the people of God, in the city of God, at the house of God, during a time where Passover was meant to be celebrated, but he can't be there with them. You know for those of us who remember what Passover was for, you look back in Exodus chapter 12 and we see that Passover was a feast of celebration. It was a feast of joy and thanksgiving, a lot like what we're going to be doing in, this ne- in the next week and so it's meant to celebrate that God delivered us from Egypt when we feel, felt like there was no hope where it's just the dead end. they gathered together as a community, as the people of God, they broke bread and they ate with each other and celebrated all that God did so you You see why Daniel is mourning. Because these Jewish people who have been back in the city, they're supposed to be celebrating God's faithfulness, but they look around and they don't see it. The temple doesn't stand anymore. The city of God that had history and promise and and layers and layers of faithfulness, it doesn't stand anymore. So that's why Daniel is mourning because he can't be with the people of God in the city of God at the house of God. And for Daniel not to have any of this is to have nothing at all. And so Daniel's mourning is only a symptom of a broken heart that is longing to be with his people. And for some of us right now who, are, who, are, who live in the 21st century in the first Western world, we might be reading this and we're just looking at Daniel we're saying, bro, so what? What are you whining about? Some of us are like, you know, don't you know, Daniel, don't you know, Andre, that I studied abroad, I, I couldn't be home, you know, I ha- actually haven't been living with my family, or I've been away from home for the past 15, maybe even 20 years, 10 years, 5 years for some of us. Daniel, why are you whining about this? And to understand why Daniel's mourning is so devastating that we might not connect with right now, let me help us press it a little bit more. This is where we have to enter the mind of the ancient Jewish world, and we have to ask the question, why, why is Daniel morning this way i want you to take a moment and think about home for a quick second right just close your eyes if you have to imagine home you know when you think of home you might think of the house the apartment or the neighborhood you grew in the childhood memories that are fixed there that are formed there others of us might think of our parents or the people that we surrounded us by but if you were to ask these people what is home to you to daniel to these Jewish people, they would have responded wherever the people of God was and wherever God was, that is home to me. And that's why Jerusalem matters, because the temple meant that's the very place God dwelled. And if God was there, then we are safe, then God reigns. And the temple was in Jerusalem, so that was home for us. And for this city and the temple to be destroyed, it meant something deeper. It meant that God is no longer the God of the city because it meant that God is not stronger than the God of Babylon that overcame Israel. That meant God is not stronger than the God of Israel. And because Israel lost, ultimately that meant God lost. That's the devastation. And for some of us right now, we might feel like God lost in our lives and we might feel like God is not present with us in our lives right now just because of things that are going on. And if you were able to open up Daniel's prayer journal, right? you just had a sneak peek into his prayer journal, you would probably him writing, okay, 536 BC, 24th day of Nisan, entry number one. God, are you still here? Are you still strong? And will you rescue your people like you said you would because I've been waiting. God, I've been waiting for 70 years. Your people that's been crying out to you, we've been waiting. We've been waiting for eight months, God. What are you doing? What are you gonna do? And as we read, as we read this account that Daniel is writing himself in this passage, we need to understand that he didn't write this just so he can keep a record of his experience for himself, but he also wrote this for those that the visions and the prophecies were going to come true. If you remember the genre that we're reading in right now in chapter 7 to 12, it's called apocalyptic literature. And when we read this kind of genre, like you would read sci-fi or like you read nonfiction biography, we have to read it a certain way and one of the nuances that we read apocalyptic literature with is we have to read it in that Daniel's writing to two audiences the first audience he's writing to is the immediate people at the time that is going on that he's writing to right as a historical piece of evidence that we can refer back to and say man this stuff is true but the second audience that he's writing to is is the people that are going to be living in the midst of the the prophecies and the visions that Daniel came and, and in our case, the people that are going that's been that's been swept through by Babylon, Persia and Greece, who will eventually come to live under the heavy persecution. So he's writing to them. And majority of scholars and commentators agree that the people that Daniel is writing to are the people who are living under um, just the persecution of a man named Antiochus Epiphanes IV during the time of 175 BC where all of these prophecies that Daniel is writing about and will write in the next chapter came to reality hundreds of years down the line. And this is the people that would be having Daniel's book in their hands. And if you were to able to open up their prayer journal in the midst of this ruler who is a Greek-Syrian king who is trying to destroy the people of God and their culture and their allegiance to God, and they're asking the same question Daniel asked. There, You open up their prayer journal, 175 BC, and they're asking, God, are you still here? God, we've been waiting and we've been praying. Are you still the God of the city? Are you still the God of our people? Because, God, we've been praying and we've been seeking, but you're not speaking to us right now. Are you still the God of our people that's the people Daniel's writing about that's the people who would have had Daniel 10 in their hands and praying god what are you doing and their mourning too their longing too and my question that I want to ask all of us is Although both Daniel and his time and the Jewish people living in the time of Antiochus, as they experienced this thousands of years ago, why do the questions that they asked themselves feel very relevant and relatable to you and I right now in the 21st century living in the first Western American world? Because I'm pretty sure if we were to take a sneak peek at some of your prayers, you would have been saying, God, I have no idea when this thing is gonna end. God, I have no idea what's going on right now and are you here with us? And the reason, that, a reason a lot of these prayer requests there, it feels very relevant to us right now, is yeah, we don't have a ruler like Antiochus wreaking having upon our lives. Yeah, we might not have somebody religiously persecuting you and I. Yeah, we might not have somebody who's taking away your children, taking away your family members. But we do have another ruler who is forcing us away from what was once normal and is in fact for some of us taking away our lives. And he, he goes by the name of COVID-19. We have another ruler that's that's just wreaking havoc in our lives day and night, and we don't know what's going to happen for the next year. Guys, I want to take you back to uh, late March when the pandemic first hit. And if you remember when the pandemic first hit and the executive order to the lockdown came through, you know, and we were all to work from home, some of us felt like it was a snow day. I would be looking through my Instagram and be like, yo, I get to work from home. This is amazing. I love it. You know, high school students would be like, yo, bet, you know, like I get to stay home and I don't need to go to school. This is amazing. But once we sat in it a little bit longer, what once felt like a snow day turned into an ice age and we realized we were in the middle of a pandemic. And that's when reality hit for us. And this ruler shut down our workplaces, shut down our schools, shut down our public markets, shut down our, our churches, right? Couldn't gather here for a couple of months. And he even got personal. And maybe he also attacked your mental well-being. Maybe he also attacked your families and the unity of your families. And he definitely also attacked the conviction and the commitment that we, you and I had to God the past couple of months. And some of us are probably mourning over the fact that we can't you know if you're like me something that I really love to do on my day off is I love to go to my favorite coffee shop uh, grab a nice iced coffee and grab a nice scone sit by the window grab, grab a really nice book to read and just relax but some of us are mourning you know these normal things that we were able to do we can't even do that because of the fear of being exposed to this virus others of us are mourning over the loss what we now see as so much free time when you didn't have to homeschool you didn't have to cook you didn't have to work you didn't have to be a mom and dad all at the same time some of us are mourning over what feels like the loss of community right here at mosaic because community and fellowship just isn't the same anymore it doesn't feel the same talking to each other over zoom being able to only see each other and gather for worship only an hour on sundays and others of us are longing and mourning over something way bigger than these things And we might see the second and the third wave coming at us right now faster than we thought and we just don't know what to do. We see our responsibilities as parents, as spouses, as employees, as teachers, as educators, as son and daughters, as followers of Christ and as fill in the blank. And we don't know how we're going to do everything. We don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We wanna throw in the towel. We just wanna hang up our jerseys and just give up. And it's the people like us, and it's the Jews facing extreme persecution that Daniel writes what we have right in front of us. But the thing is that there is a message of hope in Daniel 10. There is a reason to hope, and Daniel makes it very clear in verses 5 to 19 that the, our ability to tap into the hope that we have in God, despite what is going on in our lives, is directly correlated to our ability to be able to see God. And, and Daniel's going to show us. So look at verses 5 to 19. Um, You know, remember that Daniel's speaking to a displaced people group who call themselves exiles who've been removed from their homes and are sojourning. And Daniel's one message of hope is that God is moving towards you. And it's that God is moving towards the exiles and those who are sojourning in this land, that they actually didn't lose everything if they can recognize that they still have God. And we might not feel the weight of that, but this is the key to those living in exile because their whole framework shifted as I mentioned earlier. Their whole framework was around Jerusalem, a geographical location. It was around a place. And for that place to no longer exist the way it, wants, it was, it meant God had left the building. But if you know the story of the Bible, if you know the story of redemption, how God moves all throughout the Bible and especially in the prophetic books, we know that God moves with and towards his people. You know, I was thinking about this um, and this isn't in my manuscript but I was just thinking about this this week I found it so fascinating that go back to the garden of Eden and if you remember what happened there man sinned and they had to leave the garden of Eden but what I, and, the, and then God put like these crazy flaming swords right it's like a Mario game like it's this flaming swords are coming back and forth and God says hey I'm sorry you can't enter back here and then humanity's journey ever since then has been our, our journey back to the back to the garden of Eden But what was fascinating to me was you read you you keep reading the narrative and you keep reading the chapters after that and what you see that oh God you're you're with Adam and Eve and and the people of God like God why are you there because you would assume if God said you can't be back here you would assume God stayed in his home and he locked the doors and said you can't come back here but what you find is that Daniel move I'm not Daniel God moves with his people even outside of Eden that he goes outside of home with them. And that's the journey that, that God keeps moving and moving and moving with them, even though they get further and further and further away from home. I found that so fascinating because that's the story of the Bible. It's that God moves with his people. is that God moves towards his people. And, you know, for anyone to move towards something, you have to be able to do two things. First, you have to be able to locate what you're looking for. And once you locate it, secondly, you have to act and physically walk over there to go get it. And what Daniel shows us right now, that in the midst of this longing, in the midst of what feels like we can't see God, that God has never lost sight of his people, and in verses 5 to 19, that he moves towards his people. And the way God moves towards his people, and the way that God really emphasizes that God is moving towards you, is through this vision of a man. And through this vision of the man, we see his image, his image, we see his words, and then we see ultimately his touch. That's, and that's, that's Daniel's way of saying God is moving towards you. And so look at... Um look at, you know, just verses 5 to 7, right? I, when you guys look through verses 5 to 7, I want you to notice the amount of directional language that Daniel has for us. You know, again, P. Dave mentioned this before, that when we're reading this type of passage, these things are meant to be deciphered. They're not meant to be cracked like a code, but Daniel's reason for giving us the image and the vision of the man is for us to see and behold, to experience the majesty of this vision. And just, to, let me just make it really clear, this messenger that he sees, this isn't God, okay, it's a messenger of God, but he's sent from God, and obviously as a messenger of God, he comes with power, stature, and majesty, but look at the directional language that Daniel wants us to see, verse 5, it says, I lifted up my eyes and looked, Behold, verse 7, and I, Daniel alone, saw the vision, verse 8, so I was left alone and saw this great vision, verse 9, then I heard the sound of his words, and again in verse 9, as I heard the sound of his words. Daniel lifts his eyes, he looks, he beholds, he sees, and he hears. The reality of this being is so tangible that it fills all of Daniel's senses. And from the description we do get in verses 5 to 6, this dude looks like Thor, Iron Man, Storm from X-Men, and Zeus combined. Daniel doesn't convince us of his strength or power. He just leads our eyes towards him and he says, hey, look for yourself. Look how strong this guy is. Look how majestic and powerful he is. Daniel is highlighting the power of this messenger, but also the experience he had, and the experience he had was so powerful. If you look at verse 9, it says, and I thought this was so funny, then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground, a.k.a. he (laughs) face-planted. It's just, just, bro, he just dropped, you know? like That's just what happened. And And the people around him also couldn't experience this weight that they just had to scatter from it. So Daniel's saying, experience the weight of it. You know, if you were the Jews living in persecution under Antiochus and you read this account, Antiochus would have been the man that you feared the most. You would have feared his army, his words, his image. But Daniel is saying to those who were living in constant fear and dread and without hope. And he's saying, I know you see Antiochus as the powerful, strong one and against you. But look at this messenger of God who is stronger, mighty, and more powerful. But don't just stop there. But see the king who sent this messenger, the one who knows where you are, what you've done, and is moving towards you. The person you should be afraid of isn't Antiochus. You should be afraid of God. And for us today, even when we feel like we want to resist God and we don't want to be in the presence of God ourselves because it's just too weighty and we didn't fear God, we didn't live our lifestyles the way... God calls us to walk in the way of him. And we can't bear to sit in the presence of God. I had some conversations with some folks that because of COVID, they feel like they can't even enter the presence of God. They feel like, what's the point of praying? I haven't prayed for the past eight, seven months. God's not gonna hear my prayers. And secondly, I don't wanna sit before a God who's just gonna remind me about how dirty and sinful I am. To those of us who feel that way right now, I want I want to encourage you and I to see him drawing near to you to feel the weight of his presence to let to feel it and to hear the words that come out of his mouth because I want to challenge you it might surprise you cuz it might be better than you think You know in verses 11 to 14 it shows us what Daniel is saying Um, And and if you were Daniel face planted on the ground, I don't know what Daniel was thinking, but I'm sure he's not thinking I want to run into this being to be embraced by his presence. But I'm pretty sure he's saying I need to get away from this guy as fast as possible because this is terrifying. But what this messenger does next is counterintuitive because what Daniel experiences is rather than a message of destruction and a message of, you know, your life is over, what he's greeted by is a message of love and assurance. Read with me verses 11 to 12. O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you, and when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to him, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Look at what he says. He says, you are greatly loved, number one. He says, fear not, number two. And then he says, your prayers got heard, and God sent me to come to you because he heard your prayers if you know anything about angelic language in the bible every time an angel appears before his people and they want to say a message of peace this is the formula greatly loved fear not for i have been sent to you by god and this is the message daniel hears and something can be said, right, because it says that Daniel prayed and prayers went into the throne room of God and God acted on that. I just want to talk about prayer really quick because this, we get an illustration that prayer is really important here. It shows us that prayer is actually a spiritual warfare and prayer is actually the work we should be participating in. Because for some of us who are, who live in this microwave generation, we're in this Amazon Prime generation where we want things like this, Prayer is our last resort because prayer feels like it takes eternity for God to do something. So we take matters into our own hands. But what the passage is showing us here right now is Daniel did the hard work of praying. And, and scripture would tell us right now that when, when we pray, there are things that are happening in the heaven's heavenly realm that we don't see. And we see that through the angels moving and going according to the words of God and according to our prayers. And there's something there to be said about prayer. And we need to understand that one of the language God speaks is prayer because prayer is our confession of weakness and our need for God. And when you pray, that there's something going on where God says, I hear your prayers and I'm coming through. You know, one thing that we got to see that throughout this passage is there's a level of weakness and strength going on back and forth. You see Daniel's weakness where he's trembling and he can't stand. But also, if you were to see how many times Daniel uses the word strength in this passage, he uses it nine times. Meaning, there's this compare and contrast between weakness and strength that is going on right now. And one of the ways Daniel says, well, you can be strong is through prayer, as we're gonna continue to see as a, in the way that I close the sermon. And this is what the people of God would have done as they're living in this time of persecution and they're hearing this. I truly believe it would have moved them to pray. So we see that God moves close in the image of this man, but he also moves close because of the words of this man of of love and of greeting and of comfort. But then, thirdly, Daniel's final exclamation point, emphasizing God's nearness and his proximity, is through his touch. Three times this messenger touches Daniel, and each time he's strengthened. And on the third time, Daniel's posture is ready to receive the word he has for him. And in this passage, a movement takes place, and it started with the angel above the waters. I don't know if you caught that, but there's a movement that is going on right now. Not only is God drawing close to Daniel, but the way he moves close is through this this type of uh, a word picture where God is on top of the water, Daniel face plants, he wakes up and now God is near to him and he touches him and he strengthens him and he speaks. So now he's coming close as he speaks. But thirdly, the way that Daniel makes it clear he moves close is through physical touch, is through a touch of strength. And this is the climax of God's nearness and proximity. And that's what he's saying to the people of God that God is moving close to them. And I can, ima- I can only imagine as they're reading this and they're hearing Daniel say, can you believe it? God is moving close? And to you and I who are sitting here right now asking, God, are you near to me? Are you moving close? Daniel's saying the same thing. God is moving close. And this is um, our last and final point, the renewal of conviction. You know, if you were like me or if you're like the people of God facing persecution, And Daniel in this passage is telling you and I at one point the past several months, if they're asking the same questions, will this ever end? God, are you good? God, are you present with your people? I don't know if I can make another day because my responsibilities as all these things as teacher fill in the blank is too much for me to bear. I want to encourage you to see the hope in this passage If Daniel's hope was to see God draw near to him, and if the the people of God's hope was also to see God drawing near to them in the midst of their suffering, then we probably also have to catch the same message and see Daniel saying to you and I that God is drawing close to you and I in a time like this. In the time of our mourning and our loss, we have to be able to see that even though nothing changes tomorrow, that maybe nothing will change for the next several months, that maybe nothing will change for the next year, that we have every reason to continue to stand and be strengthened because we are a people that is not dictated and moved by our circumstances, but we are a people of God who is dictated and moved by the God that we represent and the God that we serve and the God that says, I'm moving towards you and you are my people. That's what dictates us at the end of the day. And so as Christians who are facing um, suffering, who are facing trials and tribulations, the gospel provides us a reason to be poised, a reason to be secure, and a reason to stand firm. Why? Because we have a God who makes us secure. The last time I checked, God never has a losing record. He's not like the 76ers. Ooh, (laughs) you know? God is stable. God is secure. God is strong. And that's what Daniel wants us to see. And he's saying, this God is moving towards you. No matter what kind of lifestyle you live for the past eight months, God is moving towards you. You know, what's different about why we stand here today, and I truly believe this is what changes for us when we read Daniel, what's, what's different about why we stand here today at this church and together like this is because we have something Daniel and his audience didn't have. Look at verses 16 to 18. Verses 16 writes... And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Verse 18. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. You know, I truly believe, you know, if you were Daniel and you had this experience, when you're trying to record the events that happened, you probably wouldn't be clear either in terms of everything that have happened because you're too busy face planting on the ground. And so as you're trying to reaccount everything that has happened, you're trying to remember, oh, like, what was that again? Like, what did I see? Oh, yeah, like, I did see a majestic being, and he kind of did have the appearance of a man, but I'm not too sure, but he looked really strong. And then he says, yeah, and then he touched me, and somebody who was in the likeness of the children of man, so he's trying his best to illustrate what he saw but because of his experience, he can't be so clear. And that's what's different about you and I when we, see, when we compare ourselves to Daniel and the people of God that is going through suffering. The reason we stand here as the people of God is because we know who Daniel had an encounter with. You and I are here standing in this church singing the songs that we sing, being able to pray in the name of Jesus because we understand this person Daniel had an encounter with that was like God, that was like an image of God, that kind of represented God but wasn't sure. We know that it was the Son of God whose name is Jesus Christ because Matthew 9, I mean in the book of Matthew, three times in his gospel, he refers to Jesus as the Son of God. God. And we see in the gospels this clear vision and this clear vision of who Jesus is, who comes with stature, who comes with majesty, but he lives in ways that we never thought he was gonna live. And he's also really different from Antiochus. He's not a, he's not a ruler who forces people to bow down to him just because he's strong and he's and he wants, he wants the affection and the allegiance of people. Jesus isn't like that. He doesn't force people to bow down before him. He doesn't force people to do something against their will. But Jesus, when he walks into the plain And we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he uses his touch to heal the leper. He uses his touch to heal the blind. He uses his touch to restore the widowed. He uses his touch to restore the broken and bring them back to life. He doesn't use his power to break down or destroy, but he uses his power to restore and build up. And it's to this king we find our strength and shelter because this king gave himself up for us to save us. He didn't just draw near to you, but the gospel would tell you and I that he gave himself for us. You know, while we're afraid to lose everything and we try to hold on to anything, the gospel would tell us that Jesus voluntarily surrendered everything. The things we've experienced this pandemic, Jesus experienced too during his time on this earth. Some of us would be like, hey, I hear you talking about Jesus, but he's so far removed from my experience. How does Jesus possibly know what I'm going through at this time? How does Jesus know the type of suffering that I'm going through? You Christian folks, you always pray to a name of Jesus, but what does he have anything to do with me? And I wanna show us that he, it's actually quite relatable. You know, the loss of what was once normal, comfortable, and familiar that you and I feel right now, Jesus let the, the gospel would tell us that Jesus left the comforts of his kingdom, that he left the comforts of his home and his relationship with God, and he entered to an earth that was unlike his, and, that, and he, would, he would live like you and me, a God, an infinite being, would become a God-like, would become a person that is mortal, that is weak, that is subject to everything you and I are subject to, and oftentimes he would live homeless. He would live apart, from what is comfortable. And secondly, the gripping fear of anxiety due to circumstances and responsibilities that you and I feel on a daily basis. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the gospel tells us, was under so much pressure and stress that he sweat blood, which I didn't know this, but it's a real medical condition called hematidrosis. You learn something new every day. It was an actual medical condition where you're so overwhelmed with anxiety and angst that the glands and the blood vessels in your, surrounding you, they pop and you begin to sweat blood. Jesus experienced anxiety too. Thirdly, the loss of community. When Jesus needed his friends the most during his trial and crucifixion, they abandoned him for the fear that they'll get caught and punished the way as Jesus. So Jesus, when he needed his family and his friends the most, they abandoned him kind of feels like some of us where we need people at this time. We need to be surrounded by support and strength. We just feel like we're not getting that right now. And lastly, the distant feeling you and I may be having with God. Jesus experienced it too. On the cross, Jesus cries out, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, Jesus felt a distance from God, which he never experienced before. These experiences and losses we feel right now that we've been gripped by, Jesus was no foreigner to. and in Jesus' moment of spiritual exile from the Father, when he needed him the most, he cried this prayer out, but what happened? God remained silent. Why? You know, it literally said, why have you forsaken me? In the word forsaken, um, I, didn't, I didn't know if you, you caught this, but there are two words that exist in the word forsaken, for and sake, meaning Jesus was forsaken for the sake of his people so that through Jesus' rejection, we could be accepted by God. Second Corinthians 5.21 writes, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became what we were so that we might become who he is. Jesus was cast out so that you and I can be brought in. And Jesus lost everything so that in him we can gain everything. And God remained silent when Jesus cried out so that when you and I cry out to him through the name of Jesus, God can can say to you and me, I'm right here. That's the kind of hope we have. That's the type of person Jesus is who also goes by the name of Emmanuel who is God with us. That's the hope that we have when we go through things that aren't in our condition and we feel like we just can't face it. So when you go back tomorrow on an ordinary Monday morning and you have to wake up, walk over to your desk in your pajamas, start work, open up, Zo- open up Zooms, open up team, say hi to your team, say hi to your you know, co- coworkers, and when you have to go back to work tomorrow, what is your hope on another ordinary Monday morning? It's the fact that you have a God who says to you, it may feel like you lost everything, and that might feel really, really real. And that reality of mourning that you and I experience might feel very real. But a God who says, look to me, a God who says, I know what you're experiencing, and I actually experienced it to a greater degree than you did, I was cast out from everything that I wanted and desired in my life, and on the cross, all of that was broken so that you and I, when we come before Christ and acknowledge him as our Lord, that all these things we would find, the deepest things in our hearts, they find meaning and culmination in Christ. And that's one of the ways that God draws near, but he, he seals it and he puts a stamp on it by putting the Holy Spirit into you and I. And, and the, this Holy Spirit, the Bible would tell us, doesn't live outside of us, but he lives within you. How much closer can God get? How much closer can God get? And for those of you and I who feel like we're exiles right now and, and you know we're home and it doesn't feel like home and how you and I have a desire to go home, the Bible would tell us that God is taking us home. That right now this doesn't feel like home, it doesn't feel like we're where we want to be. But one day God will take us home where everything wrong will be made right. Where there will be no more pain and sorrow where there will be joy, where there will be no more effects of sin in your life and my life. Um, that's the message of hope for you and I. Um, and it's ultimately to this king that Paul would eventually swear his allegiance to, who before meeting Jesus was more like the ruler of Antiochus um, in action and hatred, and that Paul would confess, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, Philippians 1.21. In other words, whatever happens to my life, it belongs to God, so whether I'm alive or dead, I am, Christ. And if I could just ask the praise team to come up here. Um, And um, yeah, just the praise team to come up. And that's the once and for all touch by God that saved us and brought us back to life um and you know but before we close right now i just want us to give us very very brief three um three other touches we can get with god because the one touch is that god saves us and that's the one touch once and for all who brings us back into the nearness of god but as short-sighted and forgetful people we need three you know we need a couple more touches in our relationship with god and the three things that i believe daniel talks about here is in verse two daniel prays and he fasts I truly believe that prayer and fasting is one of the most intentional ways we can embody the heart conviction uh, that believes God is our ultimate help. Fasting is the spiritual discipline of living counterculturally to this me-centered, consumeristic society declaring to the world, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Um, In fasting, we are refusing to submit ourselves to the ways of the world and instead pledging our allegiance to Christ, who is our living bread. And so there are other ways to embody this lifestyle of of telling God, God, you are my gain. In you, I have everything. One of the ways is through fasting. Because in fasting, we're saying no to society, saying you need to fill yourself with all these things. And in fasting, we say, no, I'm coming against it. And I'm saying, God, you are my portion. You fill me and satisfy me, um, like Daniel did. And fasting is, is beautiful. And fasting, you, may, you might feel hungry, but you're getting filled with the things of, uh, of God. And it's a beautiful thing. And secondly, these are kind of more low-hanging fruits. Verses 10 to 14 talks about the word, and it talks about community. It talks about the message that the angels go back and forth based on every word of God. And if the angels move according to the word of God, then we probably also have to move according to the word of God. And how God's word, it, it, it dictates what we do, how we live, and, and the posture and the security that we find. Uh, and also community. Because the angel in our narrative, it was through the help of another angel named Michael that he's able to overcome uh, just the enemy of the, of the princes of the King of Persia. And if angels also need community, I think I think you and I also need to too. And also, thirdly, um, after this, there's an anxiety seminar uh, for those uh, for those of us who might need it. And these are other tur- other touches that God provides for you and me to experience again His grace and His love, um, prayer fasting, the Word, community, and I want to encourage you, church, that if you're in need of a touch uh, from God today, um, I pray that you would allow this Word to to just soak into your hearts, that you see the beauty of Christ, but also that you would see the hands and feet of Christ through the church, through His Word, um, and that we would engage in those things. And so let's just pray at this time. us a moment to come before God and some of us are probably needing a touch from God right now some of us are probably having the same prayers Daniel had and I hope that when we saw Daniel 10 that we saw how God is drawing so near to you and I and how he actually makes the first move and so I let's just pray a prayer of just inviting God to touch us once again inviting God to remind us of how He's drawn so close to us at this time. So let's engage with that prayer at this time. I thank you, God, that even in a passage like Daniel 10, that you are speaking, that you are, you are always speaking, and God, that you are always moving. And so, Lord, I pray that as we gather here as your church this morning, who's been through the ringer, who's been through some trials in our lives, I pray that we would see, Father, that you are faithful and that you draw near to us. Thank you for drawing near to us in the person of Jesus. Thank you for drawing near to us in your word. And thank you, for God, for giving us um, just a direct access to you through, through the medium of prayer. And so, Lord, I pray that as your church, as the people of God who desire to walk in the way of Jesus, I pray, God, that we would draw near to you as you first drew near to us. And so, God, I pray for our church, for those listening and tuning in, that wherever they may be, that they would feel your presence, that they would feel your hands and feet right now, um, embracing them, encouraging them. and and reminding them that you are a good Father who greets them with love and grace and mercy. And I pray that as we accept that into our hearts, Father, that that would create a a posture and a poise and a security and a strength in our hearts to weather whatever storm comes our way because we have a God who stands before us, we have a God who stands with us, and we have a God who is taking us home. So we thank you, God, uh, we love you, and we pray all this in the name. Amen. So at this time, we're just going to go into a time of response song and offering. So let's just rise at this time.